Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the EduBabble Emporium. Happy New Year to everyone. 2023 is knocking on the door. I wanted to share a letter that I originally had written about three years ago. It was at the time when diversity, equity, inclusion was really bombarding the headlines in the public schools. And as teachers, we were getting a lot of information about these different topics that we were going to be learning about and different ways they would be implemented in the classroom. So as every teacher should do, I researched diversity, equity, inclusion, and tried to find out where it originated, the meanings of these different words. And the more I learned, the more shocked I was. And the more I felt compelled to speak out about it. So I wrote this email to um, some of the school board members and local districts and superintendents. I think I received responses back from maybe two people. I think most of the time, emails may not be read. They may be skimmed a little bit, especially if they're really long, like the one I had written. But you know what? It doesn't mean that we don't try. We have to keep trying and we can't stop because someone somewhere will listen and it will open a dialogue and good can come from it. So we have to keep fighting the good fight, folks. So I want to read this letter. It's similar to a letter that I had uploaded a while back, but I've since updated it over the last couple of years. And so I'm going to share it. And I will also be sending this email to board members and superintendents, whether or not they read it, whatever. Here we go. Dear educational leaders, people should never be judged by the color of their skin and doing so represents the very essence of racism. In addition, Groups or individuals should never blame their toils and troubles on the actions of others. Not blaming others is a lesson usually learned during our first years of life. Teachers unions and educational leaders often proclaim that schools are systemically racist, that they have been marginalizing students, or that public schools foster a criminal mindset in minority students due to their disproportionate disciplinary practices. This is the blame game in full force and is based on a false narrative. Displacing ownership of one's actions on another person or group of people is morally reprehensible. Sadly, it is the wish of today's political left to remove personal responsibility and free will as key components to misbehavior and malice among certain groups. Implicit bias, white privilege, white fragility, white supremacy culture, and systemic racism are among the catchphrases that promote the victim culture and cause the white majority to shoulder the blame for problems facing minority communities. Not considered is that over 40% of American children are born into single parent households. The number among African Americans increases to 75% in the inner cities. Bottom line, we have a systemic problem coming from the breakdown of our families, period. From the time my children could speak, I always taught them to own their mistakes, to reflect on them, to learn from them, and to not blame others. As an individual, I was created in God's image, like the rest of mankind. Sadly, many in our society have seemingly forgotten this or rejected this fact. Instead, they choose to categorize people into collectives and divisive trains of thought like critical race theory, intersectionality, white privilege culture have negative, negatively texturized our perspective of our fellow humans 
Currently, even our founding documents are being portrayed as racist, despite the fact that these treasured documents laid the groundwork for a republic that has been able to progress toward a more perfect union. If our country continues to adhere to the values established in our founding documents, the United States will uphold its role as a beacon of light to the rest of the world. Of course, due to the human element, we have always been a flawed country, but a country that has made a monumentally positive impact on our world nonetheless. We have and continue to be a positive force that has demonstrably battled global systems of oppression brought on by despotism and tyranny. Without the bedrock of our Declaration of Independence and Constitution, the United States would never have had the wherewithal and strength to battle these evils, including the bravery and tenacity of 360,000 Union soldiers that gave their lives fighting for equality, not equity, and unity within our borders. There is a reason why over 1 million legal immigrants a year choose to move to the United States. Despite that fact, political leftists and liberal countries join in on a chorus proclaiming that our country's founders were racist and that our founding principles promote white supremacy culture. The number of immigrants that make great sacrifices to come to the United States objectively destroy that myth. The United States has more immigrants than any other country in the world. Interestingly, immigrants from Eastern Europe, Venezuela, Cuba, and countries with dark socialist histories have tremendous praise for the United States and the freedom that our founding documents represent. However, many of these individuals that have escaped socialist oppression have a foreboding feeling that the United States is traveling down an all too familiar path, a path that brought the destructive force of Marxist ideals and tyranny to their homelands. Corrupt organizations like Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and even the mainstream press have encouraged and participated in the censorship of political rivals, the fabrication of narratives aimed at bringing down their opposition, infringement of basic freedoms, including religious freedom, remember lockdowns, the tearing down of historic landmarks, the rewriting of our history, and the removal of moral absolutes from our society all designed to sledgehammer our foundational bedrock in which our First Amendment rights are encased. The left has also fabricated a narrative reflective of Marx's class struggle between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. By adapting the class struggle into one based on race, gender, and a multitude of categorical differences, critical race theory, which, you know, DEI, equity-based disciplines such as PBIS, etc., attempt to convince us that those in marginalized categories should be dependent upon those in positions of power for their own happiness and success. Rather than encouraging resilience, we implement the soft bigotry of low expectations. The struggles experienced by the marginalized are rarely attributed to personal behaviors and individual choice, but instead are blamed on the inherently racist tactics of the white majority. This is wrong. By the government offering solutions through seductive entitlements and anti-racist doctrine, far too many have replaced the natural laws as laid out in our constitution with the laws of moral relativism and social justice. This is a destructive mindset that fosters a mentality of helplessness and dependence, while at the same time injecting divisiveness at a time when our common humanity should be celebrated. We need to restore respect for personal responsibility and individual character rather than blaming white privilege for the ruination 
of our society. We need to appreciate our fellow humans for their achievements and positive attributes. Let's stop focusing on our skin deep characteristics and minutia of differences. Traditionally, Americans have viewed individuality, a strong work ethic, and upstanding character as determining factors in achieving the American dream. Lately, though, it seems that academia, the political elites, big media, and corporate powerhouses are redefining the American ideal, no longer valuing each person's individual character and intellect, but instead focusing on race, gender, sexual preference, and a host of other categories. We must ask ourselves, how does this philosophical approach make us stronger as a nation and more unified? If anything, it stokes the embers of racism and a host of other isms that up until recently had been a weak, smoldering heap, nearly extinguished through the progress of liberty. Victimhood has become power, and the marginalized population holds tremendous clout in academic circles, and their oppressed status has become a code of distinction and valued currency in the world of the woke. In contrast, a white man in today's social justice world wears the label of privileged and racist. Sadly, one's God-given whiteness is considered a negative element and supersedes personal character traits. It doesn't seem to matter what complexities are embedded in the white person's personal story, the struggles that he or she may face, or the moral fortitude he or she may possess. Author of a very popular leftist book titled White Fragility, written by Robin DiAngelo, says this, White supremacy culture is more than the idea that whites are superior to people of color. It is the deeper premise that supports this idea, the definition of whites as the norm or standard for human, and people of color as a deviation from that norm. When D'Angelo writes words such as this and capitalizes on these words to become super rich, I think it's reprehensible. She doesn't realize that her writings are doing exactly what she is pushing against, generalizing and classifying people based on their skin color, the very definition of racism. I find D'Angelo and others that are profiting off of identity politics to be people that should have no respect in today's society. Here is a pertinent quote from Booker T. Washington, written over 100 years ago. Quote, there is another class of colored people who make a business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles, they have grown into the settled habit of advertising their wrongs, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays. Some of these people do not want the Negro to lose his grievances because they do not want to lose their jobs. Schools are making a mistake. Let's listen to a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that all of you know from 1963. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Character. The public schools and national teachers unions continue to push a destructive leftist ideological narrative. A toxic and divisive culture is being fostered in our schools where those 
whose opinions stray from the mainstream are either silenced or ostracized. Traditional values and ethical standards based on natural laws are excluded from the conversation and replaced with the religion of secular humanism. Although diversity is purportedly emphasized by leftists as a primary virtue, diversity of thought is rejected in educational circles. Cancel culture and the culture of wokeness has infiltrated the educational establishment and is the antithesis of classical liberalism. It is toxic to the Western ideals of free speech and thought. More importantly, when schools operate as institutions of wokeness, educational leaders are knowingly alienating a majority of our students, families, and staff, while at the same time rejecting healthy discourse by silencing counterpoint. When opposing views are canceled, education morphs into indoctrination. Wake up, educators. Schools must value free speech and the multitude of viewpoints of conservative teachers, concerned parents, and independent-minded students. Institutions of learning must stop acting as a political mouthpiece for the teachers' unions and the Democratic Party. Public schools need to place educational rigor and personal responsibility at the top of public education's agenda and leave the partisanship and promoting extreme ideologies out. Neutrality and open dialogue is essential to uniting our school communities. As many schools move forward with programs like diversity, equity, and inclusion, surveys indicate that most parents are, are diametrically opposed to this destructive ideology based on cultural Marxism. We are all individuals created in the image of God with our own personal stories and opinions. We must resist conformity to a movement that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. It is not meant to strengthen relationships and encourage togetherness, but instead it divides us into categorical groups while eroding the foundational values of individualism, moral character, and resolute determination. At the same time, it is causing schools to lose their focus, injecting a multitude of divisive and controversial issues, which only distract from the goals of holding students to high academic and behavioral expectations. We have always seen our country's diversity as one of its strongest attributes, but it is the extreme left that has done everything within their power to turn it into our greatest weakness. In 2023, we must stand against divisiveness, bring neutrality back into the classrooms, value religious conviction and First Amendment rights, and put the education of our children first. With genuine concern, Tom O'Brien. Thanks for listening.